Hello, I'm Andrew Fuller. I'm the chairperson of Generation Next and the author of The A to Z of Feelings. And in this series of podcasts, I'm very fortunate to speak with eminent people who have expertise and knowledge about well-being, particularly as it relates to young people. And today I'm delighted to catch up with uh, an old friend, but also a great colleague, Kerry Howes, who's been working in the field of gratitude in life and in education for quite a while now and thinking about that issue. And her latest book is Untangling You. How can I, how can I feel grateful uh, when I feel so resentful? A book that's published by Major Street Publishing and has been a great acclaimed book, which is fantastic. So today we're gonna to talk about not just gratitude, but resentment. So let's start and we'll talk a bit about those, that idea of resentment, then we'll move into gratitude. And then interestingly, let's have a conversation about how we create a culture in, a, in, in organizations of gratitude. So let's start at the dark. Kerry, let's talk about resentment. Why is it so easy for us to feel resentful? <laughs> well, let's start there, shall we, Andrew? That's a really good place to start. And that's where most people really love to start, actually. Even though I've been doing all this research on gratitude, it's only when I start talking about resentment that the engagement starts to come alive. So, um, so it's really helpful to know that Gratitude is the opposite of resentment and where there's resentment, you can't have gratitude and where there's gratitude, you can't have resentment. So that doesn't mean that we don't have them both residing in us all the time, but we might find that when we're trying to be grateful to someone, we can go, yeah, I can be grateful to this person, this person, but no way, no way in the world can I be grateful to this person. And so that is gratitude at that point has this great illuminating power where it shows us, shows up our resentment, like where we feel gratitude is impossible. It's a sign that we therefore feel resentment. And resentment is this, um, it's known as the emotion of justice. So we feel that we need to hold on to this feeling of hurt and pain that someone has caused us as a mark of our, our stance on a particular situation. And we feel also that if we give it up, that we give, we're letting the other person off the hook or condoning their behaviour. So resentment has us stuck in this situation and it often comes as a shock where we feel like somebody has hurt us in a way that really disorientates us and that shock lodges resentment in our psyche a lot more than other emotions like anger or envy or other things. They can kind of move on much more easily than resentment. Resentment's kind of like more of a lodged emotion. So it seems to me that when people become resentful, and I think we all have experiences of that, we feel the pain at least twice. We feel it in the original kind of affront, and yeah. then we regroup it and we refeel it. So it actually internalizes and reverberates within us. And uh, so it can really have quite a toxic effect. In fact, it can be more than just a feeling. It can be a lifestyle for some people, I think, resentment. Yes, it, it, it does. It ruminates and, it, and especially at night, the thing that we just can't let go of or when we hear that person's name or we see them in the street, we just immediately get that re-emerging re feeling. And so it is something that we feel again and again. That's one of the definitions of 
resentment and it does fester and it grows and it can become the lens through which we view much of our world and eventually it can become pathologized if we've held on to that stance for a really long time and interestingly lately when I've been talking about my book I inevitably get a question from somebody saying oh but I love my resentment I want to hold on to it it's it's my mark of who I am in the world. I feel really angry about this situation. And if I give it up, I'm giving up a part of myself. So it really does show that, that we do hold on to it, doesn't it? Yes, so we hold them very dearly. Um, but for somebody who said, well, um, you know, overly resentful and I want to change this. I mean, obviously we'll come to gratitude in a moment, but just in terms of examining the resentment part of it, is there anything particularly that you think would be helpful for people? I think it really helps to name up the emotion as your work would show as well, where we might be feeling this murky feeling of anger and we just can't let it go and it's affecting us. But to actually call it resentment and go, okay, oh, this is resentment. That can really be the first really important part in terms of giving it a place at the table to actually talk about and, and do something about because resentment by its nature also likes to be hidden and it likes to, we, we like to feel like we're a nice person and we don't hold on to a grudge. And I talk about the everyday resentments, not the more traumatic ones. So the more traumatic ones get a lot of airplay and justification like domestic violence and abuse and resentment is a natural way to respond to, to such horrific events. But it's the everyday resentments like the the neighbour not quietening their dog um, at night, the, the partner who doesn't do their fair share of the housework, the, 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 the somebody else getting the promotion ahead of you, even though you know you're the best person for the job, all these smaller everyday resentments get really, um, we, we, we feel ashamed because they seem small, but for us, they're quite traumatic. And so by actually making it okay to say, yeah, well, it's natural for us to actually feel resentment about this situation and to bring it out of hiding and to own it and not feel ashamed is a really important part of the process of doing something about it. And then in my book, I explore two of the major causes of resentment, which are being made to feel inferior and broken expectations. So if we can also see that the major cause of this could be those two <clears throat> aspects that can also help us further investigate what resentment looks like and what it feels like. So for somebody who's smouldering in resentment, to suggest gratitude as the antidote is to invoke probably a rolling of eyes and a, yes. a sort More of sigh. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> um, so let's talk a bit about gratitude. Why is it good for us and in what way? Well, I, you're right to name this up as, as something that you wouldn't replace resentment with gratitude. That's the first thing because that's impossible and that's just putting a positive veneer over a negative situation which is often crying out for attention and it's not being real and authentic. So it, gratitude should never be used to cover things up. Gratitude has a much more important role to play which is to be um, acknowledging what we receive from somebody and in action giving back in some way but it doesn't have to be directly to that person so gratitude for me goes beyond a feeling to being much more of an action so um, when somebody is in deep 
resentment, one of the first positive steps we can take is to move into self-gratitude. So to look at the things that we're grateful for inside ourselves and our strengths and our abilities and our achievements and our capacities and who we are, our worth as a human being without any of those as well. And to really build that strongly in our minds because often resentment can eat up our sense of self-gratitude. And then also to, to look for something we can be grateful for outside of the situation. So not, not gratitude for the particular person because that's still too hard, but building our gratitude somewhere can actually build our resilience and help us then face the difficult situation. And, and a commitment to doing this is a commitment to self-growth and change and character development because it's much easier to push those difficult relationships out into our outer circle. One of the things that you're implying in that is that when we feel worthless, mm. it's possibly very hard to reach into our inner gratitude. And it's probably easier to reach into our outer resentments. Is that mm. right? Have I got that That's right? That's right, yes. Is that so, your experience, Andrew, in your practice? Is that... Like when, when somebody's full of resentment, they're not only resenting the other person, but underneath they might be resenting themselves for, mm. for feeling that way because we want to be a nice person. We want to see ourselves as a good person, especially this push towards positivity. Um, it's kind of like, you know, we're, we're caught in a trap because we give ourselves a hard time if we're not being nice. Right. And, and so that can build on our self-resentment. About the guilt of not being positive enough for a long time, but let's, let's continue <laughs> on. So, are there biological, uh, immunological effects of being more grateful in your life? I mean, at one mm -hmm. stage, I interviewed a whole lot of very senior citizens in terms of their lives, and one of the very common, really common, in fact, they all said the same thing, you know, despite all of that, whatever that was, it was, you know, the ups and downs of life, I was lucky. Mm. That was what they all said. And I couldn't help but think whether that kind of sense of being, seeing yourself as lucky, uh, relates to longevity. Yes, I don't know the scientific studies so much on that particular thing, um, that particular finding, but I would imagine that it would. Mm. And there's really promising signs that does gratitude does help with depression, anxiety, sleep disorders, um, it helps with our immune function, in which case that would really help with longevity. Um, I think optimism, it increases optimism and it helps with a whole lot of other kinds of um, uh, like positive states as well. So it builds on positive feelings, which is really good. So I would imagine that longevity would result from that. And there are really lovely stories of people, who, uh, forget the guy who wrote the book, but um, he's recently deceased from the Nazi um, concentration um, days. And, um, and he, you know, he, he, he's had the same response. I, I just look at my life and I'm all I can think of is what I'm grateful for. So there's lovely stories of people who've been through the worst kind of adversity we could imagine who can look back and, and, and yet they can see what they're grateful for. So I think it is a very big resilience building uh, emotion or way of being. 
So let's get really stuck into it. Let's let's think about it for a moment. So let's say you're a leader of an organization. You'd like your team to play to their strengths and appreciate the strengths of one another. And yet there's a seething kind of resentment in this organization. Mm. And we're going about thinking, okay, how could we start? And we'd have to do it tentatively, no doubt, creating a culture of gratitude in an organization. What would be your initial kind of thoughts about that? Well, I can speak from my experience of going into such organisations and such schools. And the thing that is the most effective is to start with the leader or the leadership team and have them, for example, in a school <clears throat> context to have that team or that person to be working on their own gratitude for at least a term. Uh, and and focusing on owning a lot of their capacity to build culture and their capacity to set, set the tone for that organisation by the way they walk into the room every day or walk into the organisation every day, their, their vibration and what they bring is actually leading that organisation. So to be looking at their own resentment and, and where that might be manifesting and where it does manifest in, in, organize, in an organisational um, setting is in the, in the form of backbiting and undermining and cynicism, <clears throat> despondency, all of those kinds of um, undermining of others. If, you, if, if a leader is doing that, then the organisation can't thrive. And the... So yeah. Sorry, yeah. Go ahead. So, so you spent about a, what about a, a couple of months really giving positive comments, appreciative comments, statements of gratitude to others as well as yourself. Uh, would that be, would you expect probably not to get much bounce back from the others? during that time or would you? You would, you, you would get bounced back, but I would go a step back from there and say that we have to look at refraining from our, how our resentment manifests mm. um, before you step into the gratitude, well, as well as stepping into the gratitude to, to that's why I've written this book about look, addressing both. Yes. So I wouldn't just go to gratitude without also looking at the kinds of behaviours that I might be manifesting as a result of my resentment. And then building a culture of gratitude. I, I, my research has shown that greetings with gratitude have had a really big effect in organisations. And it seems to be a, a small thing. And people might have been doing that in the past. But with, a, with greeting with a heart of gratitude in the mornings can really set the tone for the organisation for the rest of the day. But it depends on how much interaction that leaders have. But... Um, and and building as what 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 Margaret Visser, a great a researcher on gratitude, has talked about this concept called reconnaissance. And reconnaissance is the French word for gratitude, which means that we recognize another through our gratitude towards them, and we recognize their value. And the lovely thing about her work is that she's saying that we can't give this reconnaissance to ourselves. We actually have to receive it from another person. So leaders who become really good at meaningfully expressing gratitude to their employees can create cultures of gratitude because that reconnaissance coming from a leader where they're thanking them for what they've received from them in a genuine, meaningfully, meaningful, culturally appropriate way 
it, it really just sets, it, it's creating such a great culture of gratitude and a great culture of positivity and high morale and high productivity, high inspiration. And it also creates a culture where resentment can't take hold because resentment takes hold where there's little gratitude. And that's why it's really good to see them as, as this kind of interplay between each other. It's a very powerful way to think about leading a school or an organisation, isn't it? And obviously we hear of leaders who do things like putting post-it notes of appreciation or little cards in people's desks or areas stating something that they appreciate that they've done. Is that sort of a way to begin alongside the early morning greeting, do you think? Well, yeah, I think it's a good point to draw the distinction between gratitude and praise and positive acknowledgement because gratitude is a two-way process where we're acknowledging what we receive from somebody and we want to give back to them out of that acknowledgement. So it's a continual circle of giving and receiving. So praise can be this one-way thing, whereas I, I'm going to praise you, I'm going to you know, I'm going to thank you even, but it's not necessarily genuine gratitude or what I call deep gratitude because it's not coming from that sense of I have received this from you and I really want to acknowledge this and I want to give back to you. And, 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 and kind of blanket giving back isn't as effective as really getting to know the other person well enough to know how to express gratitude to them in a way that's meaningful to them. So we often express gratitude in ways that we like to receive it rather than the ways the other person likes to receive it. And sometimes that can be a seed of resentment. Like I, in, in my work with principals, for example, they gave an example. Of, I know this is a first world problem, but they, they keep on getting bottles of wine and they don't drink, you know, like, so at the end, at this time of year, at the end of the year, they get the, they get tokens of gratitude, but it's not really deep gratitude because it hasn't really considered even though the intention was lovely, it hasn't really considered the other person. And when you put cultural differences in there, it's another layer of investigation as to how to culturally appropriately give, um, express gratitude. And then there's this other dimension to it where my research is showing that we're much better at giving gratitude than we are at receiving it. So... Um, a, a leader needs to become really good at not only expressing gratitude, but they need to become really good at receiving gratitude from others. And that's often really hard because they can second guess it or think that it, they're just trying to get something from them or they feel awkward because it's not, it's part of their job or it's not part of their way of being. And in organisations where people can't express gratitude to the leadership, the leader gets burnt out and cynical. And also the organisation doesn't have this cycle of gratitude going round and round where people are giving. But when you give gratitude, when you express gratitude, how you receive it is going to give you the confidence to express it again, isn't it? You know, how it's being received. So Yes, yes there's a tendency if a visitor comes and visits your house and says, oh, the house is lovely. You go, oh, no, it's such a mess. It's sort of like you're almost calling them a liar yes. rather than accepting the gratitude. Um, but it's interesting when you, as a leader, then shifting towards more a more grateful culture, that's quite often there's a point at which the tyranny of the familiar, I call it, it's almost like, uh, if they've been resentful for quite a while and you embark on it and you can see an appreciable increase in gratitude. And then there's a moment 
Mm. And that moment almost hinges whether they'll revert to um, a resentful way of being or carry through. And that's the real test moment, I think, for many leaders in shifting their culture. Have you seen that phenomenon as well? Yes, I've seen it in myself. (laughs) I have many (laughs) of those moments where I go, oh, here I am again in those old habits. So my personal belief is that we've got to be really vigilant about our gratitude and continuously practicing it, continuously being aware of it, because the pull of resentment is much stronger than the pull of gratitude, I believe. I don't want to have a cynical view of humankind, but it's much more tearing at the heartstrings, this hurt and pain. And um, and so gratitude is something I don't, I mean, people who've been through a lot of adversity have, I believe, more capacity to be more vigilant about their gratitude because they never want to take things for granted again. Whereas many people who are, who haven't had that experience and who really want to practice gratitude, I really talk about gratitude as a practice. So we, we and, and to keep that practice really alive and challenging and, and, and developing new skills and growing with that practice is part of what a practice is and not giving ourselves a hard time if we forget to practice or, you know, we listen to this podcast and then we go, oh, I'm going to go and practice gratitude and two weeks later we forget. It's much more about, oh, okay, where, how can I come back to my practice of gratitude? So we choose something a little bit out of our comfort zone, for example, Maybe a leader hasn't been greeting so much recently out of gratitude and they take that up as a practice and then it becomes part of who they are and then they might choose something else but then keep keep that other one going so it's not like you choose something else and you forget the other one. But I think this notion of practice is very powerful. Absolutely. And I think as we talk at the end of 2021, we all have a reason to be grateful because we're all alive and uh, so many people sadly across the world have been uh, infected and sometimes killed by a pandemic which has been rife throughout our population so that's a, a very easy way of course to to think about just gratitude being more grateful because of what we have now I think it's yeah. such an practice i'm reminded in part of your discussion with almost a bit like a parallel to solution focused work where trying to shift people away from thinking about what's not working to what is working in their lives and uh, how difficult sometimes that can be to really shift your focus away from what's wrong to what's right Mm. and i don't know that's a parallel that you've been conscious of as you've been writing this but it's an interesting one to think about for me yeah i, th- I think it really is i think i think we uh, we, we can move uh, not only what's working right but this other dimension of what have i received in it working right that's when gratitude gets awakened mm. so it's not just looking for the good it's looking for something that has moved me like I have I've been touched in my heart by by what's working right mm. and and I'm going to really acknowledge that I'm going to acknowledge that with the people who have made this working right by thanking them that's what I call deep gratitude and that's the, and because we're actually doing that it's an embodied thing of action that has much more of a social transformative effect than just us feeling grateful just you know just the feeling aspect moving much more to the action aspect has much more 
of, of the capacity of gratitude to live in our lives and to be more solid in who we are. So for people who would like to go further into this, obviously your book, Untangling You, how can I feel grateful when I feel so resentful? I love the title. I think it's fantastic. Um, uh, is a great starting point. But are there other resources you could direct people towards? Yeah, well, I love doing work in organisations. Uh, I really love book clubs. Um, I do keynotes and all of that is available on my website, kerryhowells.com. And I, I think just starting wherever we are in our own lives and my my kind of overall commitment is to not push like I said before not to push the difficult relationships aside because you mentioned the, the pandemic before and I think all of us have lessons that we're having to face in our face to face with the lessons that, that this pandemic is teaching us individually and I think one of those the recurring one is that relationships really matter that that how we get along with each other in society really matters and it's so we we, got, we aim for excellence in all these other areas but we somehow tend to um, settle for mediocrity in in terms of how how our relationships are and we allow resentment just to settle and push people that we've loved and we were really grateful for we're really meaningful relationships in our past we push them aside and and said it's too hard but I want to take these one by one gratitude practice by gratitude practice it back into our orbit and I think any of us doing that like that doesn't that's not a resource or a program or an expensive anything that's much more of a commitment and it takes a lot of humility because often we're the ones who've been hurt so we're sitting there thinking they should be doing the work so I'm really encouraged whenever anyone buys my book, I think, oh, you, you're going to do the work, you're not waiting for other people to do the work. Or they might be buying it as a present to the person who they feel <laughs> needs to do the work, one or the other. But if they're buying it for themselves, if, if we're committed to bringing more gratitude, less resentment into our relationships, that's a humble and courageous act. And that's a really powerful place to start. So I, I really believe that we have it there. We've just got to really make the commitment to do it. Wonderful. I feel we've barely embraced the concept of gratitude and we've barely scratched into the depths of resentment. And we could carry on this conversation for weeks, probably, Kerry, but we probably should draw to a close. But thank you. I'm grateful for our time together today and really appreciate you. Thank you very much, Andrew. It's been thank lovely. You. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you would like to follow up, in further detail, please listen in to some of the other podcasts that we have made, which are available through the Generation Next website. There are also a series of books uh, from Generation Next in terms of nurturing young minds, uh, covering a series of issues to do with young people, and also in my own book, Tricky Behaviours and Your Best Life at Any Age, which are both available either on Amazon or through Bad Apple Press. Thank you so much and uh, hope to connect with you again soon. Thank you. The Mental Health and Wellbeing of Young People seminar has gone digital. This is a resource for anyone who supports young people. The e-learning hub has all your favourite speakers from the Generation Next events and much more. There are hours and hours of courses to choose from. We know life's busy so we made sure you can pause the courses at any stage and continue where you left off the next time you log in. You can also 
automatically download your certificates of participation and record your notes and ideas with the documentation tool and editable course books. If you would like to try it out, head to generationnext.com.au and sign up yourself and your whole team for the next free course. And please, share the resource far and wide. Thank you for your support for Generation Next and all you do to support young people.